Hi, I'm Charlotte. I'm a therapist based in little old New Zealand. Life is too short to walk around feeling crap, so come and join me as we explore how to feel better. Whether feeling better for you is about managing anxiety, improving your relationships, lifting your mood, or working out who you are in this world, this is the place where I hope you will find some strategies and insights that will help you feel better. Thanks for joining me. Well, hello. I am sitting here with a list of amazing questions from you all. Just a little bit of a recap. When I started this podcast, I'd actually for ages known that I should have done a podcast. (laughs) And I had worked out scripts. I'd spent ages thinking about topics that I wanted to cover. And I was finding that it would take me about a month to write a perfect script that I was happy with on a given topic and for a long time, probably about a year, the podcast dream sat dormant. And so what I did that busted me out of this dream actually was work with people who were following me on social media and I put out there that I, for a long time, have been answering questions from people privately over private direct message on mental health related topics so frequently I would get messages from people saying what do I do in this situation or hey can I pick your brains about this or I'm struggling with these feelings and what might the next steps be those sorts of questions and um, that would happen at least a few times a week and one of the things that I would often end up doing is voice noting responses because um, if you're in any kind of role that requires like computer work as part of your job The old voice notes are a bit of a lifesaver, hey, rather than staring at your screen doing any kind of typing. So what I did was I put out there on social media, uh, if you'd like to ask me some questions, please send them through and then I'm going to have a wee go at recording podcast answers. I found it was such an easy way to get started and when I actually sat down with a question, I could really easily answer and think about that person that I was um, offering the answer to, even if they were a stranger to me. Uh, And that was the birth of this little podcast, was kind of classic Q&A, agony aunt style. And I'm really grateful for that. I'm really grateful. It gave me the kick up the pants to get going on this. And now I've been able to um, have the confidence to talk about other topics and to essentially what I do in my head is I go, okay, uh, what's a kind of a topical thing that I think people need to be perhaps reflecting on at this time, like last week's episode on tiredness and the things you need to be aware of around that at this time of year. Uh, I just kind of hold that question in mind and then push record and away I go. So I love this. It's super working for me. And if you haven't heard my spiel about this, uh, one of the real motivations for doing a podcast at this time is I am super aware that it is beyond most people's budget these days to get one-to-one to to a counsellor. Like that is a luxury that is in the treat budget for many people, even though like we should say, you know, you always should invest in your personal growth and it'll pay you back many times over and all of those things. It's just like not a reality for a lot of people. So what I really wanted to do was provide some help and support in a way that I could with this little pod So here we are, but I thought I'd hark back to those early days, like just a couple of months ago, when I was really focusing on Q&A opportunities and just put it out there again to ask for listener questions. And I've got some great questions, so I'm going to crack on with some answers to those. One question is, how do I deal with grief over the festive season? 
Now, actually, I covered this uh, this week in my mental health, festive season mental health for mums uh, webinar that I did. And this is something that I intentionally put in there because I know many people struggle with grief and even disappointment at this time of year. Now, that grief might be from losing someone you love, or it might be the grief and disappointment of, you know, someone significant not being in your life anymore, or some broken family relationships, or, you know, where you find yourself in terms of the position you're in in life at the moment. Whatever it is, we can enter into this festive jolly season with heavy hearts and I think it's really important that we make space for the reality of the many feelings that we can have at this time of year. So if you're someone who is carrying grief, loss, disappointment of any kind and that doesn't have to be just if somebody has passed away, then I see you and I hear a lot about these stories and one thing I just want to say is that they're so much more common than we think they are. It is so much more common for people to have really difficult family relationships or estrangements or for people to be struggling and um, and feeling really heavy with the grief that they're carrying from losing someone they love. So here is some advice on that. One thing that I think is really, really important is to make intentional space for the grief. I kind of phrase it like this, that when we are bumped, we will spill whatever it is that we're carrying. And I think that that's one of the things that often feels really tough about grief is that we uh, we know that we're not feeling great. We know that even underneath some of the happier emotions and moments, there are some bigger, deeper, what we might conceptualize as darker feelings. And we worry about when they're going to come out or, you know, something stupid happens like your gingerbread house doesn't go right or, you know, you burn your Christmas cake or you whatever it is, you know, the uh, you run out of money on the present budget or the thing that can bump the grief can actually be quite trivial. It can also be nastier, like a moment of family conflict and then the grief comes out, but one of the things I encourage you to think about is to let the grief out before it is a scenario of bump and spill. There's nothing wrong with bump and spill. Bump and spill is perfectly human, but also I really encourage you to think intentionally about making space for that grief. That is part of honouring your own feelings, honouring the person you've lost, honouring the situation that you're in, is making that intentional space. Talk to others who are in the same situation. Now that might be other people in your family, if you're sharing the loss of someone significant to you. That might also be talking, finding a friend, a co-worker, someone that you know, some random that you can connect with online who gets the situation. Just find someone who is in a similar situation to you, even if it is looking for that acknowledgement by, you know, looking through social media for people with a similar story to you, um, using that kind of search function to see there are other humans in this situation, because it can feel like everyone is, you know, clocking out of work and going off to this magical holiday when the reality is not quite the case um, for most people. For a lot of people, they are carrying some extra layers and something like grief can often be part of that. So find the other people that you can connect with for that sense of solidarity. It really, really helps when you're carrying grief, grief through this kind of season. 
The other thing is think about how you'll bring acknowledgement to the loss or the grief. So have a plan around, you know, maybe there is something special that you can include on Christmas Eve or on Christmas Day that acknowledges the person that you've lost or that acknowledges that situation that you're in. It might be including one of their favorite things. It might be if Christmas Day feels really pressured, Uh, that you pull that acknowledgement forward to Christmas Eve or a couple of days before Christmas where you might do something in acknowledgement of the memory of that person or spend some time like perhaps it's getting into the bath, getting into the shower, letting yourself have a cry, intentionally looking at photos of them to sit with those feelings but think about how you will bring that acknowledgement and make the opportunity to let out that emotion Let yourself feel is the other thing I think is really important to remember here. Let yourself feel whatever it is that you have to feel uh, through this time. Your feelings aren't wrong. They're valid. They're allowed to be expressed. Uh, And then also, sometimes one of the things that people need to hear is that you're actually allowed to let yourself have fun through this time of year. Now, particularly if the grief that you have felt has been recent, sometimes it can feel wrong to laugh. Sometimes it can feel... Um, you know, like it's invalidating the grief if you have fun or enjoy this time. But one thing I think is really important is that sometimes can actually be really honoring of what we've lost or what is missing for us by letting ourselves embrace those things that are positive about this time of year, the connection, the fun, the celebration, whatever that looks like. So let yourself feel however it is that you want and need to feel, particularly taking the pressure off what Christmas Day looks like and having a bit of a plan around what you might do if you start to feel overwhelmed with those feelings. Just remember it's okay to be vulnerable, it's okay to cry in front of others, it's okay to share, Um, really encourage you to not hold things in when it comes to grief. That can be really permission giving for others. And crying is actually a really important way that we regulate our emotions. Letting that out can be a really important way of maintaining, getting back to some kind of regulated and okay emotional state. So let out whatever it is that you're holding in and just allow yourself permission, drop those expectations that you have to be, you know, putting on a happy face on Christmas day um, and let yourself feel whatever it is you want to feel. Give yourself permission for that. Have a bit of a plan around how you're going to care for yourself through this time. But, um, you know, there is there are basically two ways of doing grief, disappointment, sadness over this Christmas time. And one way is with a plan and the other is without one. And I'm definitely on the side of suggesting that there is a plan. Otherwise, things can feel really, really overwhelming and out of control. And often that, um, those feelings can create even more kind of difficulty for us. So lots of love from my heart to yours if grief is something that you are struggling with over this Christmas period. But know that you can have a plan to do this as best you can and then allow whatever else comes from there. Okay, another question that I have got is about what to do in response to a family member who you're not in contact with who's been recently diagnosed as being terminally ill. This is really, really tough because obviously there is a decision behind the non-contact. Most people don't take non-contact with a family member or kind of setting up that estrangement lightly. There are often reasons and lots of things that have gone on in the background that have led to that. 
we tend not to be people who kind of set um, those kind of lines between us and family members easily. So I really, you know, I don't know about this situation, but, uh, you know, there are usually good reasons why people put in place some kind of non-contact or kind of discontinue a relationship in some way. So I think a really key thing here again is acknowledging how you're feeling and the mixture of feelings like that you might be feeling, wow, I just really want to pick up the phone and talk to them. I feel, you know, heavy. My heart aches for them. I I feel really, really deeply sad for them. But one of the challenges is that often those feelings are sitting there and they're really intense because we still have love for this person. But also, we don't necessarily want to be back in relationship with them. So that can end up feeling like quite a stuck place emotionally. So acknowledge how you're feeling and the mixture of feelings. Give yourself full permission to take action or not take action. So you need to let yourself go, like, I am not compelled now to get back in contact with this person because they are dying. It is still fully my decision what I choose to do when it comes to resuming contact with them or not, or what kind of level and expectations there are around contact. Now, I would encourage you to get creative with your thinking about what the options are, because sometimes people can think, look, if I make any contact, it's going to be like back on with that person and that's the thing that I don't want. So think creatively about how you can bring acknowledgement to what's happening for them without the expectations of relationship or still be clear about those boundaries that, you know, I'm really sorry this doesn't change, um, you know, what I feel like I can offer in our relationship or what that looks like going forward. But I really want to express how sad I am for you about what you're going through. I really want to express my compassion that I'm thinking of you, that I really care about how this journey goes for you from here. Um, and, you know, think about what you can do, what feels right for you. Remembering that not doing anything is an option that you're also perfectly entitled to. If this situation is really tricky and you don't want contact again. The other thing that can sometimes be quite helpful is to think very gently about this quite challenging question. If I was to grow in my skills, would contact with this person be an option again? So if you were to increase your skills, your boundaries, your emotion regulation abilities, your whatever it is, like is there anything that you could do on your side of the court of this relationship that would actually help you to be back in contact with that person. Now that is not saying that, you know, we should be the ones who do all the work all of the time, all of that. Like sometimes that is just not a goer for us, but it can also be quite empowering to think about what is it that I could change at my end and what support could I get around making those changes that might allow me to resume contact with this person on my terms and in a way that feels safe for me and for my family, for my other relationships, uh, for my mental health is often another question that is in the mix there. So have a wee bit of a think about that skill and support gap. If you, if your skills were uh, different to what they used to be, if your own sense of well-being and your support around that took a step up would contact with this person in this new and changed situation actually be an option for you so have a bit of a think about that then uh what is it that your head is saying and what is it that your heart is is saying can be a really great distinction in these kind of situations because often there is a battle between those things 
you know, my heart says, gosh, I care so much about this, that person, I should just get over it, I should get back in contact, whatever that looks like, my head says, just remember that you're being hurt, you know, that someone who uses you or makes you feel terrible or whatever it is um, acknowledge those differences between what your head and your heart are saying and then also one of our sources of knowledge that isn't our head and our heart is our gut do you have a gut feeling about this about what is right to do after you've given yourself full permission to take any course of action that you determine as um as appropriate So what would you do if there weren't opinions from others is also a really useful question in these kind of situations. Sometimes we can get really caught up in what other people expect of us, um, what other people's opinions might be. And, you know, in some cases it might be that other family members will have a really hard time if you get back in contact with this person after something difficult that you have been through. Uh, You know, sometimes spouses feel very protective of us in these kind of situations and, you know, don't want us to get back involved or there can be a myriad of other complex things with other relationships that are going on in these kind of situations. So just invite yourself to consider what would you do if there weren't opinions from other people? If no one else had an opinion about this, if nobody else was upset or offended by what you do, what is it that you would choose? So hopefully there is something helpful in that. Lots of acknowledgement around your feelings, full permission to take action or not. Consider whether there might be a skill gap. Do what feels right. Consider the difference between what your head and your heart are saying and think about what you would do if nobody else had any opinions. Again, sending so much love. I, without making disclosures beyond what I want to disclose on this podcast, I have a lot of understanding Um, in the space of what tricky family situations can look like across this time of year and so uh, I just send lots and lots of love and adding a layer of someone being terminally ill is obviously extra difficult on top of an already difficult situation so sending heaps of love to you. Now the next uh, couple of questions I'm going to blur them into two questions that I'm going to blur into one response. Uh, So the first part is, how do I cope with parenting around uh, a a family (laughs) member-in-law, shall we say, in this situation, where that person is ragey and shouty and scares my children? And then the other question that I was asked were, how do I maintain boundaries at Christmas time around family and with triggering situations? So I'm kind of going to flow these two answers together because I think that there's uh, potentially some things in here that cross over to both answers. I think when you have got difficult family members around, it is quite helpful to think about the opportunity that they present. Because here you are with your children in this learning stage of their life, Um, witnessing what is going on where you are able to model to them how to handle difficult people in difficult situations just in case you didn't feel pressured enough about this but this is an action this is actually an opportunity and sometimes I think our inclination can be to shut down these difficult situations when actually we can embrace them and be appreciative of the opportunity that it presents us with like I know that that is easier said than done but sometimes that can be a really helpful perspective shift So I would say come up with a plan. So particularly in this first part of the situation where children are worried about um, how another family member reacts or the way that they kind of generally conduct themselves. So come up with a plan with your children. Again, this is really good modelling. When this happens, we will do why when x happens we will do y so you can come and have a cuddle with me we can go off and read one of your books that we've bought with us 
Um, we can go outside and play a game. We can do something together to help with um, the, the meal that's being prepared or something. We can go into another room. Um, we can go and go for a bit of a walk to the car and get something special that we've left in the car for this situation. Like have a defined plan about what you can do so that there is a sense of ownership and power and control in a difficult situation. You could let the other family member know in this situation, the in-law that's getting shouty and ragey, you could let them know that your children do find that difficult. Um, Sometimes it is a lot easier to let the spouse who has the relationship with that person uh, do the work of that for you. But some of that is about considering the probability of do you think that they will learn from that feedback and take that on or do you think that that is just going to make things difficult and instead you can model and show in some way that there is a boundary here for you that actually your children are needing support from you when they behave in a way that that your children find scary so you can potentially actually kind of send that signal that how they're behaving is beyond what your family would normally accept or beyond what um, is kind of okay and considered normal for your children. So if you think about whether you want to have that conversation or not, that can go either which way. And I, I, I actually feel quite neutral about whether you choose to confront these kind of things or work around them and work around them in quite an explicit way. So remember to debrief with your children through these situations too. Hey, in our family, one of the things that's really important to us is that we speak to other people with kindness. And even when we've got really big feelings, if we've got super big feelings, so we actually remove ourselves and have some time to calm down before we talk to another person in a way that we're going to regret later, in a way that feels really gruff or angry, like in our family this is how we do this if we're feeling frustrated or if we're feeling unheard or something we will uh, remove ourselves for a little while and work out what it is that we want to say to help ourselves to get heard or what it is that we want to do differently or ask of another person and that's how our family work things Um, and that's what you know we hope that you learn to do growing up because it's not very nice is it to be around someone who is um Uh, you know shouting at other people or maybe potentially making other people around them feel bad or uncomfortable one of the things I often find you have to be really careful about in these situations is what your kids might then repeat so uh, throw whatever you're going to say through the lens of how is this going to sound if it's parroted out by my toddler um, or by my primary school age children you know my dad said that um you know, you're really bad at getting angry and ragey and that's not okay and whatever, like, you know, maybe that's just going to happen. But you can find constructive and calm ways to talk about these things without throwing that person under the bus. The other thing that you can think of is like, what do we do when we see another person struggling with big feelings? Like you could go up and ask that family member. Um, if you see that they're struggling, you could you could have a wee think about what it is that you could do to help them. You could go and pick them a little flower from the garden. You could offer to go and do something to help them. Um, you could help if they're shouting at their children. You could help their children to do the thing that it is that has upset the adult. Like sometimes when we see someone struggling, we can do something helpful. Um, to help them calm down and settle in their feelings. So just think about actually what are the opportunities and the learning moments that can come from this for your children. Be thankful and appreciative for that because your children 100% are going to see other people 
responding in ways that are not healthy or helpful in the outside world. And if they can see that within the context of your family life and in a way that you can debrief and support them through that and think about how they take take control, how they regulate themselves emotionally, what support they need to do that. If you can step that through with them in the context of your family life, then that is a great opportunity for them. They are skills that they're going to need in life outside of your family. So here is an opportunity to, uh, to really demonstrate that. Now, this next question about generally boundaries over the Christmas time, uh, particularly with family and particularly around feeling triggered. One thing that I would say is quite helpful to sit down and spend some time considering is some pre-planned pushbacks. Now, pushbacks, I'm going to at some point do a whole episode on the art of pushbacks because I think they are really important. But basically, a pushback is the little like zip electric fence moment when someone has crossed our boundary. So when someone has done something, said something that is over the line for us, a pushback is that little electrifying the fence moment that lets them know that they have crossed the line, that they've crossed the boundary. Now, they're not designed to be burns. They're not designed to make people feel awful. They're just designed to hold that line and let someone know that they're at our boundary. So that might be quite, you know, as simple, like one of my favorite ones in difficult family situations is to say, wow, like, wow, Uh, (laughs) maybe just once, but to kind of say like, oh, you know, that is not the reaction I was expecting or like ouch is another really good thing to say to express that was hurtful to me or that was over the line it might be even little lines like that's not what I'm here for or actually hey I'm not into that and then being able to walk away or whatever the scenario is think about uh, the pattern of what usually plays out and consider what your pushbacks might might be. Often in difficult family situations, there is a predictable kind of little interpersonal dance that happens of whatever it is that goes wrong. And so in those situations, we can get ahead in thinking about what our pushbacks might be. Um, so, you know, when X happens, then, you know, here are some good ideas for pushbacks. We can't do pushbacks very well in the moment without some forethought in considering what it is that we might do or say. So give yourself the opportunity to think about what it is that you might say in response to something difficult that happens. And then also the benefit of that is that you go into the situation feeling a little more armed. The other thing that you can do is discuss a plan with your spouse or another family member who's going to be present across those Christmas celebrations so that you are not feeling alone in whatever it is that you're facing. So that you've got a plan with your spouse of, um, you know, we're only going to be at this gathering for two hours because I know that if it goes, you know, much longer than that, then I'm going to chances are things are going to unfold in a way that I don't like or it might be that actually every 30 minutes you're going to find a reason to temporarily excuse yourself and that might be going out watering the garden or that might be going and taking something back to your car or that might be um, you know having a phone call with a friend to break up the time like just that little brief kind of three or five minute phone call with somebody else whatever it is that you need to do to emotionally regulate throughout that family time together is really important so have a think about how you break up that time consider what you need and how you're going to get that um, and have a plan around how you're going to regulate those difficult emotions so if you know you tend to feel in a particular way 
what is the feeling that you want to feel instead and how are you going to generate that feeling and so getting back in charge and back in control of your own emotional experience that yep that difficult feeling might come up but then I can do something with that in terms of how I turn that around and what I move towards and how I get there. The other thing that um, that can be really helpful is to put in other things around this time that take the focus off um, family situations that can feel really difficult. And so it might be like one of the things that I really love to do is to do something with my friends over the Christmas period because it's not then all about family because how those kind of few festive days go um, is not necessarily just determined by the quality or the level of difficulty of whatever happens with family but you know that you've got you know some really nice relaxed time with friends somewhere in the mix or you're creating your own little routines and rituals that you can lean towards that actually something difficult happening with your family doesn't have to define how that whole time goes sometimes one of the things that is really difficult with family is that we go into a situation with high hopes like ideally we would all love to feel really loved by our family on Christmas day ideally we would feel like it is a happy occasion where everyone is entering with intentions of peace and harmony and all those other good things and then the reality sometimes can be far from that so just remember that there is a difference between your boundaries and your hopes your hopes can be I'm doing a thing with my hands right now that you can't see should be videoing these um but your your hopes can be like up here, you're going to have to imagine where my hand is, and then your boundaries can be down lower. And so the reality of your experience will fall somewhere between those hopes and those boundaries. But so long as those boundaries, those base level expectations aren't crossed, like you're not made to ongoingly feel awful, um, you're not degraded, uh, your children are not treated inappropriately, whatever those boundary kind of lines need to be, that if those things happen, I'm just going to get out of here. Um, that is okay but the reality is that most family occasions don't meet our wildest hopes and dreams unless we're in you know some kind of version of the modern day partridge family and who is in that but anyway um, just think about that difference between your boundaries and your hopes and consider how it is you might take a holistic view of the few days over the Christmas period and, and include other celebrations where you know you're more likely to feel good, relaxed, happy, jovial, celebratory, whatever it is that you want to feel. So that time with your family doesn't become as critical as you might otherwise make it out to be. Um, the other thing you can do is consider putting in less effort and discipline yourself not to overthink. So once you've got a plan, once you've communicated about that plan, you've thought about your pushbacks, stop thinking about it. I know that that is easier said than done, but what you can do is acknowledge the feelings and then let yourself move forward and say, I've actually given this some consideration. I don't need to think about this anymore because sometimes what can happen is we ruminate, we worry too much about what is going on. And actually, if we can say to our brains, no, my darling, we are prepared for this. We don't need to do this loop. That can be really helpful. So think about setting yourself up with a plan for dealing with the difficult situations so that you can push pause on the ruminating when you notice that it starts. So there's a whole lot on boundaries, on dealing with difficult family members um, and what your modelling looks like over this time. But I just want to say I get it and it's okay and it is life for a lot of us through the Christmas season. So 
just keep in mind that actually you can come up with a plan on how you're going to survive this time well. Consider these things an opportunity to model, especially if you've got children around you, and have a plan and some good communication about what you're going to do to get through the moments of difficulty. And the next question that I have been asked is about over the festive season, how to deal with situations where your child has some kind of disability or disadvantage compared to other children and other people's attitudes of inclusiveness towards the child. Now, I just want to send initially so much love, so much aroha, support, understanding to this situation. Uh, again, without wanting to disclose more than I want to for my own family, I have something of an appreciation for the difficulties here. And just, yeah, I'm going to say some things that I feel like I can say because I have something of a lived experience in this space as a parent. Um, but I hope that that comes across with some gentleness and some grace because I... Uh, have walked something of this journey myself and so if this is helpful take it and if it is not helpful please feel very free to leave it but one of the things I think we have to do as a parent where our child has some additional needs is get ourselves out of the victim mindset that can sound so super harsh but I think one of the things that can happen is in our grief about what is going on, about the differences of the experience of Christmas or just everyday life that we have due to whatever is happening with our child, um, that can really get us down. Those feelings can be really heavy and something that we need to move towards and often need to reach out for help to get us towards is to being in a place where we can advocate for the needs of our child and our family. And if we haven't dealt with the grief, the sense of loss, and the reality is that is not a linear thing that comes in waves, that is a recurrent theme often for parents, um, because there are so many losses when you have a child who is different. Um, but one of the key things we need to do is really become the best advocate for our child and our family in thinking about how we front foot things, um, how we express what it is our child needs or what we as a parent would appreciate. Um, but sometimes people just actually don't have any idea of what the considerations might be around a child who has a disability or some additional needs. And so they just don't know what to ask. They're not being considerate. Like I even think, uh, you know, parents, when they have stopped parenting young children, they just forget <laughs> the trauma of being a parent of a young child. And they forget even thinking about like basic things like nap times or, you know, what time dinner needs to be or whatever that ends up looking like. Um, and even more so when you have a child with a disability or some kind of um, added needs in the mix, other people's appreciation just generally of parenting a young child is out the window when they are through that themselves often. And then their understanding of what it is that you're going through and what the considerations might be, it's often just at a really ignorant level. And we have to get that that's the reality that we're working with and get quite pragmatic about what our communication looks like. You can go really gently around that. So you can ask things like, hey, I'm wondering what it would be like if we had a bit of a conversation about how Christmas Day might go for little so-and-so, the name of your child. Um, 
how Christmas Day might go for them in terms of the day working well for their needs or for where they're at or for the kind of, you know, the level of where they're up to in their journey at the moment. I'm just wondering if it would be okay if we had a bit of a chat about that. Or I'm wondering, actually, there's something that might help make Christmas a lot easier for us. And I'm I'm just thinking, what would it look like if we as a family did this? Or if, you know, you were able to communicate to other people in the family just some awareness around this need that we have um, or this preference that we have that would make things feel a bit more compassionate or a bit more... Um, flexible around what's happening for us at the moment so model that to your family so often people just don't know what to do or they don't know what is going through our heads or they they just you know don't have an experience of working themselves flexibly around the needs of others some people have you know their life in nice tidy little boxes and that works super well for them So I just, I think that it's really important that we get out ourselves beyond that mindset of, you know, woe is me and this sucks and this is really hard to what are the things that are brilliant and great about my child and where they're at, what are the opportunities that come from that. I know that that sounds so pie in the sky, but I'm telling you I've been there and I've done this work. Um, So I feel like it's just fractionally okay for me to gently pose those questions but think about for you how is it that you turn this around that your family gets to embrace your child and the things that are different about them and being present with them often if children have disabilities or some additional needs there is an an opportunity and invitation to match and meet them where they're at to embrace their presence in the day and to think about um, not kind of, you know, doing things in a way that leads to sensory overload that actually other people in your family might really appreciate as well. Um, So just, you know, think about too for yourself how you go gently with yourself through the day. If you are caring for a child um, who has some extra stuff going on, then adding a big festive social occasion into the mix of that is really hard. So I'm super encouraging of you attending to your own emotion regulation in the lead up to Christmas, throughout Christmas Day, and having a plan about that. Um, but yeah, sending so much love for this situation, and I really hope that you can have a great Christmas Day that includes whatever it looks like to be flourishing for your little family. The other thing that I would encourage you to do is to follow people on social media who are in a similar situation to you. So one of the things is it can feel really like the whole world is, is you know, running in this race and we're like way back here with these really foundational struggles or difficulties that everyone else doesn't get you need to clean up your social media and you need to only have on there people who are also dealing with difficult situations so you can see the normality um, the common experience that there is and what you're going through stop following the influencers who have perfect looking lives get them out of your feed because that is not what your life looks like right now and that is okay there are heaps of people posting the most beautiful things uh, about the Christmas season with children who have disabilities or who are neurodiverse or who have intellectual cognitive difficulties 
um, and they're posting the most beautiful, heartwarming things. And so surround yourself in that, bathe yourself in that, get in amongst all of that and get rid of all the other people who are showing you their perfect lives with their neurotypical, um, perfectly developed children and let yourself embrace and celebrate your little person who is your gift at this time of year. They are your precious person who has been entrusted to you because the universe, God, however you think of this, could not come up with any better person to care for and love this little one than you. I've got tears in my eyes as I say that. Um, Sending, yeah, so much love to you. I totally get what it is like and really encourage you to embrace what is precious about your little one. So, oh, I think that might be the first time I've gotten teary on this podcast. So thanks for being here with me for that. And if you've got all the way to 40 minutes through this episode, um, well done. I hope that there is some value in there for those people who have asked the questions. Thank you so much again for asking me questions. It was super helpful for me. Um, and I love being able to meet you where you're at and hopefully give some advice that helps, particularly to make this festive time of year a good time for you and your whanau. Uh, so let me know uh, how how you found those answers, what it was that met the mark for you. And if anything didn't fit, feel free to just leave that right on there in these sound waves. But I hope that that helps you to have a merrier Christmas. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'd love to connect. So feel free to find me on Facebook, Instagram, or LinkedIn. And don't forget to subscribe so you can see when the next podcast episode is out. See you next time.